You are listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. For more information about our church, please visit www.hopechurchipswich.net. Good morning, here with Matt Cornish, and we're going to talk a little bit about serving. We've been going through a series in the book of 1 Timothy in the New Testament, and so far we've seen how Paul has urged Timothy to lay down foundations in the church. He's talked about a foundation of good doctrine, a foundation of prayer, a foundation of installing elders, those who would primarily bear the responsibility for teaching and uh, guarding and guiding the flock. And today we're looking at deacons. Uh, Deacons were recognised leaders within the church, men and women who were asked to serve in particular ministries and carry responsibility on behalf of the elders. And as elders at Hope Church, we're currently discussing what it might look like to have deacons at Hope Church. And in the coming months, we expect we'll be communicating some things uh, about the decisions that we come to. And this morning, I want to look really uh, in conversation with Matt at the subject of servanthood, because the word deacon really just means servant. And Matt here, who is the operations manager at Hope Church, he works full-time for the church, he has done for the last two and a half years, and plays a key role really in ensuring that the church is operating well, and as such has a lot of involvement with different serving teams in the church. And so I want just to spend a few minutes with Matt unpacking what it means to be a servant. So Matt, the Bible places a lot of emphasis on uh, Christians being servants, Can you just unpack with us a little bit about what it means to be a servant? The Bible does have lots to say on being a servant. And the place I think is good to start is at the beginning of Ephesians. We are God's handiwork, created in Jesus Christ to do good works. For God prepared these in advance for us to do. We are saved to serve. That's it. I could drop the mic there and stop. That's... It's... Because of what Jesus has done, we respond to that in love, in gratitude, in worship, to fulfil the potential that God has placed in us. Jesus himself, the Son of God, said that he did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We're called to be servants of the living God, the King of glory, the Holy One. What a privilege! Then what does, what does this do to our hearts when we see this? We hear about this. God loves a willing servant. And what's going on in our hearts is important to him. We don't serve out of, uh, out of a, a sense of duty or that we feel that we should or recognition or, or even trying to, to um, please our leadership. We're serving out of a heart's desire in response to what Jesus has done for us. Brilliant. And so what does it look like to be a servant? Well, I must admit, often in church, the term volunteer is is banded around. And uh, if I had my way, I would have that word banned. (laughs) It it, It tends to undervalue the commitment and faithfulness required of being a servant. Uh, it, It implies a freedom to be able to pick and choose what we do and when. It's not the same as a paid job. We have the feeling that we are in control of our own time. Uh, But this is not what Jesus said or did. Uh, When we are saved, we come under the authority of Jesus and he has purposes for our lives. And it's for us to 
to use our free will to choose to walk in humble obedience to his will and not uh, follow our own fleshly desires. So that's what it looks like. It's walking in humble obedience to his will. And Jesus, I mean, talk about humble. He, he uh, being in the very nature God, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. And so we need to think about that when we're serving. Is there any areas that we maybe wouldn't be prepared to do? Mm, fantastic. So what are some of the benefits to serving? There are many benefits to serving. Uh, some of them are just to accomplish a, a task where, that needs doing in the church. And some of them are high profile and, and some of them are unseen. But they're all important. Mm. And uh, there are many ways that people are serving humbly in, in the church. And much of this is unseen. And I'd love to just take this moment to, to honour Brian and Sue Anstey. Yes. Who's weekly uh, serving in Tots and Oasis and Hope Cafe, mm. just in the kitchen, often unseen and, mm. and without provocation or being asked to. That often I see them out the front picking up litter and, mm. and just doing so much. And these guys are just so humbly serving away. Mm. And it is fantastic to see, but they're not the only ones either at Hope. We've got many people that are, are diligently serving and, mm. and giving so much of their time, but we're yet to fulfil the potential that we have in Hope Church. So serving... In the church, it, it, yes, it, it, it gets jobs done, it accomplishes uh, things in the church, but it also serves those that are coming in. Um, when we're serving, it enables uh, the advancing of the kingdom of God by creating an environment for people to draw near to God and to become more like Jesus, welcoming in, uh, connecting, loving, supporting, and uh, just being hospitable, teaching, discipling. Uh, creating a, an atmosphere of uh, where worship can happen and this is all great it's kingdom works this is it's fantastic but I, I must admit it's not where where I, my passion really lies and gets me excited with serving believe it or not the um i as an administrator i'm not about getting the jobs done and uh, and just filling rotors that doesn't do anything for me it's serve it's the fact that serving enables us to fulfil our potential. It enables us to, to take the gifts that God's given us and, uh, and become more like him. And much like a, a diamond is, is formed in the hidden places under intense pressure, uh, active service too uh, helps us to shape and form us. And uh, serving is just an opportunity to be shaped in more like Jesus. When we're serving uh, out of a heart's desire, there is in that in itself does bring such joy and uh, it, it's just it's a beautiful thing it's, it's part of our worship to God and we need to be careful that if we're not serving it's so easy to be drawn into that luxury of criticism where we're, we've got time to sit back and look at what's going on rather than getting stuck in and we're also missing out on just the joy of a job well done we've got to remember that our gifts our skills our talents are uh, all given to us by God. Mm, okay. I think um, just going back a moment, it was great to honour mm. uh, Brian and Sue as you did, and we're actually going to be making a bit more of a regular feature of honouring uh, servers amongst us. So do uh, look out for that in the uh, email update that we send out. We would love to regularly honour uh, servers who are just going uh, the extra mile and serving people in, mm. in our community. So... Uh, Matt, just uh, as we sort of come to a close, can you maybe 
um, pack for us some of the things that might be barriers to people serving? What might stop people from uh, serving in teams or serving in different ways uh, in the week as well? Sure. I mean, well, within my role, I, I do hear many uh, reasons that why um, people maybe don't have the opportunity so much to serve. Mm-hmm. And some of them are very valid and, mm-hmm. and some not so much. But I, ha- I have heard um, people say that I don't have a contribution to make. And uh, putting it bluntly, that is a lie. It's, uh, it's not true. God has, pl- has put the body together. He's placed us all here in Ipswich at Hope Church. And that we all have a part to play. None of the body, as Paul says, is redundant or independent. And so we all have been placed here and we all have a contribution to make. Uh, There may be uh, reasons like we're in a particular stage of life. And these are valid things, but it is important to make sure that we are checking our heart and that we are driven to try and serve as much as we can. We must ask ourselves the question, are we proactively seeking to serve the church. Wonderful. This has been really helpful. Matt, is there anything else just as we finish that you'd like to add uh, before we continue with what God has for us this morning? Well, in the seats in front of you, there are some cards and um, I'd love you to pick one of these up. These are join a team cards. And uh, if you could just have a look at these, these are some of the serving opportunities at Hope Church. And maybe there's something that jumps out at you on there that you think, yeah, that's something that I could give my time to. And maybe you'd like to take it away and pray about it. Or maybe you know that there's a passion that's inside you or gifts and skills that you have that you'd like to present and you're not sure how. Well, just write anything on the card, an area that you'd love to serve the church. And then if you could hand that in, maybe to one of the leaders or someone in a Connect t-shirt, or even just at the information area, would love to help you find your place at Hope Church. Okay, well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. We've got a short message this morning because of the video we just watched. We're in 1 Timothy chapter 3, uh, and we're just going to read a verse together, verse 13. It's good just to hear Matt's heart in uh, some of these things. He's not uh, here today. He's got a well-deserved uh, week off, and so he t- chose that to be the week that we showed a video of him. So uh, you can have a break from serving sometimes. It's okay. Okay, 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 13. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. I've called this message this morning a church of servants and I want to look at how we develop the heart of a servant. Um, I alluded to this in the video that we as elders are currently talking about um, deacons and what that might look like at this church. It might be that you're from a church where uh, there's been uh, deacons, you know, in churches that you've been in the past. Um, We are looking at what that might look like to have deacons here at Hope Church. We see very clearly um, from 1 Timothy chapter 3, as we've been um, looking at this the last couple of weeks, that there were uh, offices within each local church. There was the office of elder and of deacon. And uh, we see elders, those that were called primarily to oversee and pastor and spiritually guide the church, but we see deacons as well, those that had a crucial role in the life of the church, um, often taking practical and logistical tasks on in order to to free the elders up to concentrate on their primary uh, calling. And I think we probably have um, those kinds of uh, people in our church already, it's just that we haven't uh, formally uh, recognized and appointed deacons Yet, yeah, so we're having those discussions, 
And uh, because of that, because we're still in those discussions, uh, we're not really going to focus so much upon some of the other verses in 1 Timothy 3 about deacons right now, um, other than to say these are characteristics, these are uh, character traits that we all should seek to have, whether we uh, become elders or deacons in the church. These are character traits that are really, really good uh, character traits and ones that we should seek to have. Um, But I want to talk this morning about having and developing the heart uh, of a servant. Um, This is not to say uh, that we don't have that as a church. I really do believe that we are a servant-hearted church in many ways. But I want to talk about the heart of a servant here. And uh, I want to say I'm not here on a recruitment drive um, because we do have many, many people serving in many teams. I would echo Matt's uh, comment to pick up one of these join a team cards and to uh, fill one in. Um, But I really want to to touch upon the heart of a servant here this morning um, rather than about, come on, we need you to be involved in this, this and this. Actually, to look at what is at the heart of someone who is servant hearted. And I believe that God's going to do a heart work amongst us And there will be opportunity for prayer as we close, um, because I believe God wants to do some things uh, in our lives uh, through this message this morning. Now, the first thing we need to acknowledge as we look at developing a servant heart is this. It is not a natural thing. A servant heart is not natural. Okay, serving others doesn't come naturally to us. Okay, I don't know if that's true. For, I don't know if you acknowledge that to be true for you, but it is true for you. It doesn't come naturally. This morning, I was reminded of this as I uh, was up with the children, and I wanted to watch five minutes of Match of the Day on my phone, and my uh, children were watching uh, CBeebies on the TV. I don't know how they managed to dominate the TV in that way, but they do. And I said, Dad, can we have some cereal? And I was just wanting to say, just give me five minutes. I want to watch this match on Match of the Day, when I realized that if I didn't do it, that they would attempt to do it themselves and that it would end up with Cheerios all over the kitchen floor and I would then have to tidy them up. So out of self-interest, I thought, no, I'm going to serve you. But it wasn't really out of a servant heart. It was just out of self-interest. That if I don't do this, it's going to end up with more work for me. Now, the Bible, in places like Galatians chapter 5, which is where we're going to be spending a fair bit of time this morning, uh, talks about a conflict going on within each and every Christian. So if you're a Christian here this morning, there's a conflict going on within you, and you may not recognize this, or I expect you probably will as I start to unpack it. There's a conflict going on with each of us, within each of us. Um, Paul, who's the uh, author of the book to Tim, the letter to Timothy, also the author of the letter to the churches in Galatia, he's reminded them of the freedom that they now have. They're no longer uh, condemned by the law. They're free from condemnation. They're free from uh, being slaves to sin, they're now you know, not, no longer under the bondage of a slavery to sin. They're free. And he's saying, but f- it was for freedom that Christ has set you free. Don't return to the yoke of slavery. He's reminding them that actually they can return to slavery in one of two ways. Firstly, um, in legalism, by trying to obey certain rituals, by trying to do certain things that we might see in the Old Testament in order to try and please God without... Uh, an understanding that Jesus has done it for us, so we can slip back into that and think, I've got to do this, this, and this in order to please God. So that was one form of slavery that he was concerned about. And the other was licentiousness, that now we're free, now that we've been freed from condemnation, uh, we've been rem- our sin and our shame has been removed, uh, that we might uh, end up going after all of the things that our, our flesh desires, Okay, uh, that we might go after the things that we fancy doing and end up getting into all sorts of messy stuff. Why on earth would we go down the route 
of uh, following our fleshly desires. After all that Jesus has done for us, why would we go there again? Well, Paul explains to them why they might do this. He says that they and we, we have within us something called a sinful nature. We have within us something called a sinful nature. And that sinful nature is in conflict with the Holy Spirit. So in, in Galatians chapter 5 and verses 16 and 17, Paul says, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you doing the things you want to do, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. So this passage is making it clear that Christians are not kind of lumps of stone that don't have desires and don't have feelings and don't have uh, lusts of the flesh. It's saying here that actually we do and we have something within us called a sinful nature that is at war with what the Holy Spirit wants to do within us. And this is a war that never ceases. Okay, As we learn to walk more and more um, by the Spirit, the, the desires of our flesh will be subdued in some way, but this conflict rages on throughout our lives. It's, it's true to say that for those that don't know Jesus, that they can sometimes have moral dilemmas. You might be here this morning and you think, I'm not a Christian, but I have these moral dilemmas. This is different, okay? Because it's talking about Christians having uh, two natures, really. Our old sinful nature and our new heavenly nature with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So how is this relevant for us? You might think we've gone off the subject a little bit when it comes to servanthood. This is really, really relevant. Because if we back up just a few verses to verse 13 in Galatians chapter 5, Paul says this, You are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So he, in this chapter, Paul lists a whole bunch of things uh, that it looks like when we, we just follow our fleshly desires. It leads to all kinds of stuff in the area of sex, in drunkenness, in uh, self-service, in the, in the realm of our worship and how we speak of others. When we follow our fleshly desires, it leads to all these kinds of things. But he says when we are appreciating all that God has done for us, when we're walking in true freedom, we won't use our freedom for self-indulgence, but we'll use it to serve one another in love. In other words, the opposite of self-indulgence, which is all the things that Paul lists in verse 19 to 21, the opposite of self-indulgence is service of others. And he summarizes it and says, this is the summary of the law, is to love your neighbor as yourself. But we have to realize, we really have to get this in our minds, that as we set out to develop a servant heart, this will not come naturally to us. This is not natural for us. It's not our default impulse to serve others. It's our default to serve ourselves and our own interests. Just think about that for a minute in your own life. When given the opportunity for an hour of free time, how do you spend it? I'm not suggesting that it's always wrong to spend it in a way that would you know, really uh, be relaxing or that would, would bless you, but... Honestly, more often than not, I think that we look to serve our own interests than the interests of others. We've got to remember this as we go uh, through our lives in our walk with God. There will be people that God will bring across our path, and he'll ask us to serve them in some ways, and it will not come naturally. And those people will be annoying sometimes, and those people will test our patience. And 
when we need to serve, it won't come at a convenient time for us. Okay, we might like to try and kind of uh, put serving slots in our diary. Well, I can have a bit of time for them there. But oftentimes when people need our service, it's not a convenient time for us. And oftentimes that service will go unrecognized and unthanked. And sometimes people will throw it back in your face after all that you've done for them. And there'll be teams that God will have a serving on. We've referred to that already this morning. And there'll be times when it's our turn and it won't seem very fruitful or it won't seem very fun or those on our team will let us down in some way. And it's in those times that because of our natural, uh, our self-serving um, sinful nature within us, we'll feel inclined in those times to jack it in and say, this is not something for me. But we've got to remember in these moments that servant-heartedness does not come naturally. It's the direct opposite of what our sinful nature would have us do. There's a conflict within. And we must remember this. Second point, the Holy Spirit is available and willing to help us to honor and glorify God in those moments. So this leads me uh, to my second point. Let's read in Galatians uh, chapter 5, verses 24 to 25. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps us to serve. He produces within us fruit. We've seen uh, in the verses before this that that fruit is internal and external. It's unseen and it's seen. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, and so on. This is the natural product of Christians keeping in step with the Spirit. We are actively, I don't know if you know this, but we are actively invited into relationship with God the Holy Spirit to keep in step with him, to invite him to change our lives to empower us. He's, he's with us and in us to empower us to crucify our sinful nature, to count ourselves dead to sin, to say, that's not me anymore. So that when I'm tempted to indulge my uh, sinful nature and the, the desires of my flesh, by the Holy Spirit's power, I can say, no, that is not me anymore. I have the Spirit within me to empower me to say, no, I'm not going to uh, live for myself. I'm going to live to serve others. So we need to Keep in step with the Holy Spirit. This means prayerfully submitting all of our lives to God. Saying, God, it's all yours. It's all yours. All of this, every moment of my life, it's for you. Come and change me. I've probably prayed that prayer about five times this week. Lord, change me in this area. I expect my wife Sarah's probably prayed it double that this week. <laughs> Lord, change me. I wonder, are you praying that? Are you praying that in your own lives? Are you praying, God, change me? Are you praying like the psalmist in... Uh, psalm 139, it's a wonderful psalm. It's just an incredible psalm. He says right at the end, Search me, O God, know my heart. Try me, know my thoughts, and see if there's any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Are we praying those kinds of prayers where we say, God, change me. It's all yours. That's one way which we uh, keep in step with the Spirit. Another way to keep in step with the Holy Spirit is by enjoying his word. Do you know that this book, the Bible, is, is the Holy Spirit's book? He inspired it. He breathed it out. It was written by human authors, but it was the Holy Spirit who breathed it out. I don't know if we acknowledge that sometimes. One way of keeping in step with the Holy Spirit is by being in his word. I remember a few years ago um, speaking to someone, and this person was uh, living with uh, his girlfriend, sleeping with his girlfriend, and uh, I had to challenge him on this and said, 
look, I don't think this is God's will for you. I really believe he's got better for you. I believe that this gift of sex is for marriage and you will enjoy it if you wait. And he said to me, well, the Holy Spirit hasn't told us that it's wrong. And I said, funny that, because he's written a book. <laughs> Let me show you some of what he says about this. We can keep in step with the Spirit as we, as we dig deep into God's Word. In prayer, as we say, God, come and fill me afresh. Come and change me. Come and change my life. As we get into his Word, as we meditate on it, this is how we keep in step with the Holy Spirit. And as I said already, it's by his power that we are able to say no, to count ourselves dead to sin, to be able to crucify the desires of our sinful nature. Dead to a life of self-service. That's not who I am anymore. I serve others now for the glory of God in Christ. Last thing to note as we seek to develop a servant heart is to look to Jesus. To look to Jesus, to look to his teaching and to look to his example. Mark chapter 10, we've alluded to this, I think, already this morning in the video. Jesus came to serve and not to be served. This is a great story. James and John, uh, this is Mark chapter 10, verse 35. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Now, this story is hilarious because in Matthew's gospel, it's actually James and John's mum who goes up to Jesus and says, Can you do this for my boys? And uh, I think James and John probably had a word with Mark and said, can you just take that bit out, please? We don't want, we don't want people to know that we had to get our mum to do the dirty work for us. Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. And Jesus said to them, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? He's talking here about his eventual death on the cross. Are you able to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, we are able. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, that's the other disciples, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles, they lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. I don't know if you've considered this, but right now you are surrounded by greatness. We might think of greatness as being around Sir Mo Farah or a great political leader who has conquered all opposition and has led a nation through incredible uh, change and victory or someone who uh, in the field of, of their workplace has risen to the top and has earned the big bucks. We might think that is greatness. Well, Jesus says no. That in, the, in the true definition of greatness, you right now are surrounded by great people, truly great people. You're surrounded by truly great people who have learned that it's all about serving others. C.J. Mahaney, in his book, Humility, True Greatness, he says this, As sinfully defined, pursuing greatness looks like someone motivated by self-interest, self-indulgence, and a false sense of self-sufficiency, pursuing selfish ambition for the purpose of self-glorification. Contrast that with the pursuit of true greatness as biblically defined 
It's, it means serving others for the glory of God. You are surrounded by greatness. Those around you right now, serving others day in, day out, week in, week out, Sunday in, Sunday out. I wonder if you want to be great. Because Jesus doesn't slam his disciples for wanting to be great. He doesn't say, what do you want to be great for? No, he says, if you want to be great, you have to descend into greatness, not ascend into greatness. This was his teaching and this was his example. Wherever Jesus went, he served people. Whether it was simply by his presence at a meal, that was him serving them. Or whether it was just giving people his attention, that was him serving them. Or whether it was him sharing his wisdom, he was serving them. Or doing incredible miracles. His life was a life poured out for others. It was a life poured out for others. So when he says, I've come to serve, there was no denying that he really meant it. No denying that Jesus said, I've come to serve. He really meant it. And in John chapter 13, we see Jesus serving his disciples a meal, the last meal together. And it's at this meal where Jesus gets onto his hands and knees and washes his friend's feet. That's about as low as one can get. It's going to get hot this week. Who's loving the hot weather? Hot weather is good, isn't it? But it also leads to us getting really smelly. (laughs) We get smelly feet and smelly armpits and all kinds of smelly uh, (laughs) people walking around. Oh, I should stick to my notes more, shouldn't I? But I hope this week, maybe even some of you today, you're trying to avoid the smelliness by wearing flip-flops. Okay, but what happens when you wear flip-flops and you walk around, especially in an urban area like this, you get really, really dirty feet. They get black, actually, oftentimes when you're walking around quite polluted areas. And this is what's happened here. Jesus' friends have been walking around. I wonder, just imagine for a moment this week, you're going to your life group, and you think, I'm going to walk there. It's a nice sunny afternoon or evening. I'm going to walk there. And everyone else has walked there too. And you get into the, the, the lounge where your life group is this week, and uh, your life group leader is there, and he or she has prepared a bowl of soapy water and says, I'm going to wash your feet. That would be quite striking, wouldn't it? What is even more striking is that this is Jesus, who's the only one in the whole world who could rightfully sit back and say, feed me and serve me, because I deserve it. He's the only one who can rightfully say that. And yet he's there on his knees, washing these grimy, smelly feet. We may have reasons to think that we, don't, we can't serve. But Jesus, Timothy Keller says this, Jesus washed his disciples' feet on the way to the cross. Even if your own troubles are great, we can still serve. And we're going to just worship this servant king in a moment. The, let me say this before we come to a close. The mark of a disciple of Jesus is one who looks to his teaching and, who, and his example and who follows him. But listen, before any of that can be true of us, before we can say we're disciples of Jesus, before we can say I'm following Jesus, we need to let him serve us. We need to let him serve us. Jesus, one of his closest friends, Peter, always the one making outlandish statements and then having to retract them just a few minutes later, He says, Jesus, I'm never going to let you wash my feet. It's his turn, seemingly. And Peter gets up and says, no, you're not washing my feet, Jesus. It should be the other way around. And Jesus says, Peter, if you don't let me wash you, you have no part in me. There has to come a humility from us. 
if we wish to be in Jesus' kingdom. If you're looking in today, there has to come a humility where you say, Jesus, I recognize that I have a need that I cannot meet. I cannot wash myself clean. I cannot get rid of the sin and shame in my own life. I once had a, a dear friend on an Alpha course. I invited him to come to an Alpha course. He loved it, really engaged with it. And at the end of the course, I said, so where are you at? And he said to me, I feel like I should be the one to put the things that I've done wrong right. I feel that I should be the one to take responsibility. And I thought, you haven't got it. Even after all this great content, and you, you need to know, you need to know that only Jesus can deal with your sin. No amount of good works, no amount of trying to clean ourselves up. We can't erase all that we've done wrong. We can't cover it up. We need total forgiveness. And that is what was accomplished for us at the cross. That is what was accomplished for us when Jesus hung there on the cross for us. We've sung about it this morning. It is finished. That's what Jesus cried out on the cross. All the work that was necessary for our salvation was finished by him on the cross. He brought us into relationship with God. He redeemed us. He brought us out of slavery and brought us into relationship with God. And so our service is just in response to his service of us. It says in the Bible that we love because he first loved us. Well, we serve because he first served us. We're serving him for his glory. It's not natural. It won't come naturally to us. We need the Spirit's help. We need to walk in step with the Holy Spirit. We need to look to Jesus. We need to look to his example. We need to look to the cross. As we do these things, we will more and more develop the heart of a servant. I wonder if we could stand together. I'd love to pray for us. And uh, what we're going to do um, after I've prayed is we're going to head to these different stations around the room and take some bread and take some juice. And uh, we can take it back to where we are and just maybe in pairs or in groups or just where we are on our own, just thank Jesus for what he's done for us. He, Jesus, in this very meal where he washed his disciples' feet, he said, this, this wine which he was sharing with him, this is my blood which is spilt for you. This, this bread that we're sharing, this is my body broken for you. And he says, do this in remembrance of me. And we would encourage you to do this in your homes and in your life groups, but we want to do it regularly together here as well, to remember Jesus together. So we're going to, I'm going to pray, and then it'll be time to head to the stations around the room. There's one at the back, one either side of the stage, and one at the coffee area. And we're going to just uh, worship Jesus together through this. And the band will lead us in a song uh, to close as well. Father, we thank you for the fact that you have first served us. You served us by sending your son, Jesus. You served us by sending him to be our example and to be our sacrifice. Lord God, we just look at this amazing Jesus and we say, in response to all that he's done for us, we want to serve others. We want to crucify our sinful nature and say, well, I'm I'm dead to that now. I'm dead to self-service. I'm alive to living for God and serving others. Help us, Lord, to develop servant hearts more and more. Even those amongst us who might even be great examples in this, we have got room to grow. We want to keep growing as servants who go the extra mile to serve the needs of others. Please help us, Lord, each one of us. And for those here who don't know you, would you draw them near to you now? 
Would you reveal, Holy Spirit, would you reveal the great need for forgiveness in hearts? Would you reveal that now, Holy Spirit? Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. Please feel free to make a copy of this content, but please do not edit the content in any way.